Uh, sound check, can everybody hear me? Can everybody hear me? Somebody uh, let me know that, that I'm being heard. <clears throat> Hello? Tonight we're uh, dealing with Prakim uh, 61 through 63, Samach Aleph through Samach Gimel. Uh, our deepest condolences uh, go out to the Fabusov and Epstein families, and we're dedicating uh, on the loss of Rita Epstein, Allah Shalom, and tonight's shir is being given Le'ilu Nishmat Reza Gittel Bas Esther, Allah Shalom. So uh, our parak begins with uh, quite a, uh, a loud bang, uh, and it's really intended to get our attention <coughs> in the strongest way. Ruach Adonai Elohim Alai, Yan Mashach Adonai Yoti Levaser Anavim, Shelachani Lachvosh Lishbere Lev, Likro Lishvuyim Dor, Velasurim Epekach Koach. So the reason I say that this starts out with such a large bang is that we have, uh, you know, the, the uh, in the terms of Shemot Hashem, we have Hashem Elohim. Uh, the spirit of Hashem Elohim is what's operative here uh, at the very opening of this parak, And uh, the voice and the spirit of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is now descended on, uh, on Yeshayahu, and he's talking about uh, being anointed for this particular job and being sent Shlachani Lachvosh. And his mission is Lachvosh Linish Lev. Uh, to heal, to console the broken of spirit, which is going to be uh, one of the main uh, topics of the evening. And to lekrod lishvuim dror, and to call out a call of freedom uh, to all those who are in any kind of bond or or bind. Uh, presumably, they're they're captives. Lekroshnat ratzon ladunai v'yom nakam leelohenu lenachem kol avelim. And so the second part of past the introduction, which introduces uh, what Ishayahu is telling us his job is here, is it's also to declare Likro Shnat Ratzon. Shnat Ratzon is an extraordinary phrase. 
Um, it means uh, loosely translated a year of favor, uh, a, f a year uh, where uh, there's a sense of desire, of wanting. And it's not just Shnat Ratzon, it's Shnat Ratzon Lashem. This is uh, God's uh, holiday in some way. And here's a very odd juxtaposition. So what is the Shnat uh, Ratzon about? Uh, it's a day, or days, if you will, the day of judgment for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, uh, to take vengeance um, on uh, his enemies. And in the same breath, so to speak, L'nachem kol avelim. Now, it's the, if this is the first time uh, you're opening or you're, you're uh, trying to learn a Pasuk in Yeshayahu, uh, this juxtaposition of judgment and cons consolation seems like an odd thing. But those of you uh, who've been working so hard to understand Yeshayahu together, we understand that this is Yaakov and Esav. Uh, again, that as, as we go up, they go down. So the Yom Nakam, uh, the day of vengeance, is, brings consolation. They're vexed, we're calmed. So we are on the heels of uh, of Shabbat uh, Nachamu. We spent two Shabbat talking about Evelation. If you wondered who coined that phrase, uh, here it is in Yeshayahu, who uh, of course is a predecessor. Um, uh, to Yirmiyahu, whose keynote we read. And so uh, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is uh, uh, the, con continuing on the theme of consul consoling Kol HaVelim. Now we have Evlet Zion, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, uh, wants to restore their dignity. So uh, we know that biblically, and I think you see this in some Eastern cultures, when people are mourning, uh, we know this from going to Chuppas, that the, they're we put dust, we put uh, a bit of uh, a dirt uh, or uh, ashes on the head of, uh, of people uh, to indicate uh, that, uh, you know, that they're in a state of, uh, of mourning. In fact, the halacha that Elo Aleinu, the first day of Aninus, uh, the reason that men don't wear tefillin, uh, because tefillin, uh, if, if you look at the pasuk where we're reading here, latet lehem pe'er, pe'er is a, a reference to tefillin, but here we have the, the reverse. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so to speak, is putting the pair, the tefillin, over the place of mourning. Shemen Sason, the oil of joy uh, to be put in top of the, the place uh, where there was uh, on the head where uh, it signifies a person being in mourning. Uh, God is cloaking, God is, God is planting, and uh, and these trees are called Elit Sedek, Mata Hashem Lihit Pa'er, the the Shorish Pe Aleph Reish, Lihit Pa'er. So so uh, God is dignifying us. God is being exalted uh, in this Yom uh, in the Shnat Ratzon, in these times when a Kodesh Baruch Hu repairs uh, all the uh, all the parts of our. Uh, our mourning and grief that have been so painful to us. And now look at, look at this rush of verbs. Uvanu chorvot olam, shomemot rishonim yekomemu. There is going to be building. The places that have been destroyed are going to be rebuilt. Yekomemu, from the shorash kum, they're going to be stood up. 
They're going to be rebuilt and, and revamped. V'chidshu, and there's renewal. V'chidshu arecherev, the cities that were destroyed by Sancheru's swords, with, if you think about the area of north of Yushalayim, which was so decimated by the army of Sancheriv, uh, Isaiah is predicting that the, those cities will be renewed. Shomemodor uh, vador. And here's a phrase we're going to come back to, that the, uh, that the rubble and the, uh, the remains that have been broken down over centuries are going to be renewed. Again, speaks to the idea that we'll come to in this year again, reminding us that Yeshayahu spoke for his generation and for others as well. Uh, so those of you, uh, this particular person I, I, I knew in Chicago, um, uh, who would re- uh, really enjoy uh, his Arab Shabbat because he would love putting up his feet uh, in his kitchen table and watch uh, uh, the, the person that was cleaning his house, uh, who was of Eastern European descent, uh, clean his house. So we have the equivalent here of Yamdu Zarim Veraut Sonchem, but in a gentler way. Uh, so uh, when the, when the uh, Yom Nakam happens, the very same people who oppressed us and made us upset and, uh, and uh, killed our people, enslaved our people, um, they're going to be taking over the job of shepherding our flock. Um, they're going to be taking care of the, uh, the small jobs and the tasks in the field, so we're free to other, do other things. So uh, we're getting all these mishors, and we're getting all these people uh, to tend to our sheep and to tend to our farming so that we can be busy with our main job in life, which is to be Mashartei Elokeinu. Everything is going to be switched around. Uh, the amount of indignities and the, uh, the sense of shame that we, that we had in, in, uh, in our losses, uh, military defeats, uh, that'll be doubled in terms of uh, how dignified we'll be and how and they will be doubly embarrassed. So if you want to know why this is all happening, here we have, uh, again, the uh, Yeshayahu's calling card. Uh, this is because HaKadosh Baruch Hu so loves Mishpat. And he hates when people um, steal things and then bring him ola and bring him a korban. And those who are really actually uh, involved in holding fast to Torah law and to keeping their part, our part, in the uh, in the uh, in the covenant that we have with the Kodesh Baruch Hu, uh, God here in in Perak Samach Aleph. Yeshayahu is talking about a brit olam echrot lahem in the future. There's another Sinai of some sorts in, in the plans. So we talked about the influx of all the nations uh, coming to Zion, and here Yeshayahu provides another depth to it, and he says that everyone is going to know v'nodaba uh, goyim zaram the Jewish people will become renowned, famous, and everyone will know that these are the people, these are the, the children that Akash Baruch Hu has blessed. Take a deep breath. 
uh, because now we enter into what's essentially the beginning of the seventh uh, of the uh, the haftarot uh, of consolation, uh, the last of the shiva dinenechemta, uh, and we'll talk about uh, hopefully Amir Tashem in a few moments about the process that we've been through, going from the first of those haftarot to the last. Um, so let's just read very quickly so that we get an idea of how much things have changed. Uh, I would just say, remember, Nachamu, uh, Nachamu, Ami, Yomar, Lokechem. You know, Isaiah has a hard time getting uh, the attention of uh, the Avelitzion. And here, uh, the Avelitzion on their own are saying, Sosasis, we're all excited, Bashem. We're not just happy in general. It's not just we say, okay, we'll let bygones be bygones. Sosasis Bashem. Tagel nafshi belokai. This is really from the toes, from the soul. Kilbishani bigde yesha. Because God has cloaked us with the clothes of redemption. Mi'il tzedaka. Anybody seen it? I mean, I imagine if you give tzedaka, you hope that you give enough tzedaka that the Aniyam can buy a uh, buy some new clothes, but <laughs> this is not what we've got here. Here we've got Miltzad Tzedakah Yetani. It's just we're wearing these gorgeous uh, robes, uh, you might imagine judicial robes, or but the robes, whether they're flowing or not, are an indication that the people who are wearing them are a nation that are guided by Tzedakah, by doing kindness, by showing kindness. Kechatani Chahim Pe'er Ta'ada So here, uh, not only is Tzion happy with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but the level of excitement that's going on in Samech Aleph, in Samech Bet, is that we suddenly find ourselves out of mourning and to the other extreme. Now uh, we are attendants at a wedding and we're looking at the Chatan and the Kala and they are each dressed up. The, chaha, the, uh, the Chatan, again the word Pe'er, he's the most dignified person and the kala is wearing her most beautiful clothes. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so to speak, uh, says, you know, this is all natural, just like the land, uh, people who sow and, 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 and plant in, the, in, the, in, in their gardens, in their fields, uh, you know, they can hope for fruits to grow. Again, the beginning of the first phrase, Hashem Elokim, the you know the tremendous combination of Yudke Vovke and Adnai, Yatzmiach Tzedakah. God will just like the land gives, allows fruits to to grow. Hakadosh Baruch Hu, in the most natural ways, will bring Tzedakah back into the world. Tzedakah, not charity, meaning tzedek, righteousness, justice. And so all the nations will be witness uh, to this Maset Tzedakah and the Mi'il Tzedakah, this cloak of righteousness uh, that we are all now cloaked in. And then, Leman Sion HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I will, I will stop at nothing, I'm all about this. I will never rest easy I will never, I will never uh, take a break, so to speak. Hakadosh Baruch Hu is is very proactive here, making certain that Zion is not forgotten, making certain that that there's a light of tzedek of justice. 
we spoke last week about the tremendous ore that we'll go back to in a moment. But here, this, this, all this, this light, this brightness, and it's the brightness of justice for all to see. They're not only following the light, like we said last week, but now they see it, and every, every sort of ruler not only sees the, the, the righteousness of the Jewish people, but the, the, the great rulers see kivodech. V'karalach shem chadash. So in case you had any notion that Samach Bet, Samach Aleph are just more of the same, I mentioned earlier that there was a, 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 new, a new breed here, a new covenant that was being offered. Here to fit that, there's a Shem Chadash. Asher pi Hashem Yikavena. We don't even know what that name is possibly, but we're told that when this covenant gets renewed, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives the Jewish people not only new clothes, but he, and, and a new new dignity, but we get a new name. And the Jewish people will rise to a glory if you think about the big day Kuna, Mamlechata Koanim Vegoi Kadosh, Yeshayahu is making reference to a time when the Jewish people will really be fully involved in, in, in meeting their destiny and reaching our destiny. We'll come back to that, Amir Tashem. Lo yeamer lach od azuva. So remember, Tzion said, Azavani Hashem. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, no, 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 no. You can't call yourselves, you will no longer consider yourselves or even think yourselves. No one will speak the fact that you've been, the, the idea that you've been abandoned. Ularzech lo yeamer od shmama. And no one will refer to Eretz Yisrael as a desolate country. Ki lach yikarei So perhaps the new name is Chefziba. Uh, which, uh, you know, is fine if you're a Puritan, uh, naming a child, unfortunately, Efziba. But uh, it means, uh, the name literally means one that uh, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, or nation, uh, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu completely is desirous of. Your, your land is, is, is one that's requited in HaKadosh Baruch Hu's love. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, again, moving with, the, with this uh, analogy of Chasen Kala, HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the land become one, the connection, the chayfetz, the strong desire is so tight that they're inseparable. Kival <coughs> In the same way that young lovers come together for the first time, Yivaluch Banayich. The land will be, will be enriched by the coming together of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in Am Yisrael. Umsos chatan al-kala. Yasis alayich elokayich, umsos chatan al-kala. Here it is, right? So this is a great wedding. This is a, if there's a new covenant here. If there's there's a new name, uh, just like you know, a couple gets married. You know, there's a new family name. You know, they're a new couple. Uh, that's what we're reading here. And then, of course, you know, you can hear the, the those of you who are Shlomo Kalabach fans. You can hear Shlomo's music in the background. Again, the word Yechashu, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will not be distracted. Um, he will place uh, guards on the walls of Yerushalayim all night, all day. This is a very tricky phrase. We'll speak about it in more detail later. Uh, that the, uh, these watchmen, so to speak, are reminding of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and making sure that the Gula 
takes place in a timely fashion. It's like all the heavens and the walls of Yerushalayim are all very awake, very alert to, for the coming of this grand day. HaKadosh Baruch Hu swears with his right hand. Now we said at the beginning, this was Hashem Elohim, Hashem Adnai, right? So here's God enforcing that with an oath. So if you think back to Parshat Bechukotai in the Klala, where, the, where in bad times, in times when we are not in God's favor, that you know, we will, we will uh, uh, plant our, our harvest and we will plant our grapes and, and the enemies will eat them, God swears that that will never happen again. Not only will the people who have planted the vineyards and planted the fruits uh, gather them and enjoy them, but they will bring that, the fruits, in terms of Bikurim and Korbanot, to Har Kochi, right, Chatzrot Kochi, to the Beit HaMikdash. Ivru, Ivru, Besharim, Panu Derech Am. Again, shades of panu, Solu, Solu, here it is again. Solu, Solu, Hamasila, Saklu, Me'evin. And why? Why are we clearing the path? Harimu, Neis, Al Hamim. Put up a banner, a giant banner. The banners read not only about Chefzibah, but HaKadosh Baruch who is coming back to, to get Zion and to redeem her. Everything about Zion being desired uh, and the love between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and B'nai Israel finally being requited. So now all of a sudden the Navi takes another slant and says, Who's this coming from the Lamb of Edom? Edom in Chazal uh, is traditionally uh, Esav and is also assumed, assumed to be our arch enemies uh, you know, at the time Rome, uh, but throughout the ages. So why, where is this messenger who's coming from Edom? Chamutz begadimi batzra. He's coming from Batra, which is actually a city in, in Iraq, right? Um, and where is he, why is he coming there? The reason he's showing up and, he's wear, and his clothes are red because he's now, his, he's, his, they're blood-stained uh, clothes from taking, uh, reaping justice, God's justice on our enemies to the north. Asks the Navi, why are your why are your clothes so red? Hakadosh Baruch who is 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 informing us that his malach, so to speak, has gone out there, taken nekamak yom nakam belibi shnat gulai ba. The redemption comes um, again with the uh, we're up and the nekama is, is done in a way that's just and as deserving. So here we go to another vantage point where HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so to speak, is looking around and he's, he's asking, 
Where's the Geula? When's the Geula happening? And no one is bringing the Geula. Vavusamim ba'api vashakrein b'chamati v'orid la'aretz nitzcham. HaKadosh Baruch who looks around and he says, well, I have to get this started. Chastei Adonai azkir tehilot Adonai ke'al kol asher gamalatnu Adonai v'rav tuv l'veit Yisrael asher gamalam k'rachmav ro'k chasadav. There's all this chesed, there's all this all these promises that need to be fulfilled. Vayomer achami hema banim lo yishakeru. God recognizes his eternal uh, connection to the Jewish people. Vayihilahem lemoshia, and he has no choice but to redeem them. Bechol artsam lo tsaru malach panav hoshiam. All our enemies are off the landscape. Ba'avato v'chem lato hu ge'alam. God will redeem the Jewish people out of his love, out of his compassion. Very powerful stuff. So, um, looking back to the first nine psukim that we read, um, you have to, and you can see I brought you the beginning here, we left the, the previous chapter, chapter 60, with all the nations rushing and following the great light that's been shown on Zion, and you know everyone's headed to Yushalayim, and all of a sudden, here in sixty in in in, uh, in in chapter in chapter sixty one, everything stops. And it's not only that the momentum that was built up before stops, but now, all of a sudden, what's Yeshayahu saying? Ruach Hashem Elokim Alai Yan Mashach Hashem Otil Vaser Anavim Shlachani Lachavosh Nishperi Lev. So instead of uh, what we had before, all of a sudden, here's Yeshayahu, uh, as if he's never spoken to us before, telling us that he's been anointed, that he's got a job to do. It's like we're in chapter 61, and it's actually more like we're back in chapter 1. Why is Yeshayahu reintroducing himself, and why is he telling us uh, that he's got this mission. I, I mean, what has he been doing up to now for the last 60 prakim? So, um, the, uh, and what does it mean that he's come to Likrosh Nat Ratzon? What is that exactly? So, uh, the first question is, is, why is Yeshayahu restating his mission? Uh, the second, that he's been spending all the other six that we've had of Nechama and certainly the last two um, where he's been very busy offering com- comfort and consolation um, what is, what's new here? There's this, been, this cresting wave of humanity that was on its way to Tzion, to Yerushalayim to be involved with the great Simcha of the, of the renewal of Yerushalayim and all of a sudden it's like there's this public uh, service announcement <laughs> that stops everything it's just so wacky, so weird. Uh, the Malbim addressed this difficulty, and he said that actually that Yeshayahu had to pause here. And if you look in the part in in the uh, in the green, he says that well, the purple and the green, if you will. Uh, he says uh, he's speaking to Nishbere Lev, and the Malbim has a very interesting interpretation about what Nishbere Lev is. Why are there people? Uh, who are broken-hearted and broken-spirited. And he says that these are the people who are habilti chochim li shuah 
these are people who have given up hope. And they're just, they're overwhelmed by Tsaris. And so the Malbim says that when Yeshayahu comes and stops here, he's stopping to collect these people. Lahem shalachani bishlichut miyuchad. Listen to this daring pshat of the, of the Malbim, who says that I've been given a particular mission just to deal with these people who have been so knocked out, uh, they've had the wind, the spiritual wind, taken out of their sails, uh, that they're in shock and hopelessness, and so I'm stopping the, the, this great wave of, of, of humanity that's heading to Yushalayim to follow the light because there are some people who are in shock and in hopelessness. It's an astonishing idea. Alternatively, we might imagine that this thing about Shnat Ratzon has some kind of different message, uh, and that he's tailoring this message of Shnat Ratzon for the Avelei Tzion. But let's look into the Mepharshim here and see if we can get just a little sense of what's going on. Rashi tells us that Shnat Ratzon, which again we translated you know, very poorly, is a year of favor. So Rashi tells us it's Shnat Pius Viritsui. Uh, there's, there's a reconciliation here. There's pius, there's, there's an attempt to appease, attempt to bring, to bring people closest to make them feel like they're cared for. The Ibn Ezra takes a different tact. He says uh, that this is about the year of Geulah. Our Barbanel speaks even more in terms of jubilee. So we find that there's a, a difference of, of emphasis, certainly between Rashi, who gives us this very emotional kind of... Uh, interactive thing where uh, Rash, Ibn Ezra and, um, and Abarbanel, you know, seem to be playing off the idea of Gula, uh, uh, of Tiela Aretz, of Jubilee as we know it from Parshas Bahar and Chumash. So uh, why, according to Rashi, uh, is, is everything stopping? Well, you know, this is not a shout-out to Hashem's loyal followers. Uh, Rashi is saying that there are people who are, who are really just in a very bad way, and, and like a great orator, uh, you know, there's a particular audience that every great orator, you know, when they scan the audience, there's a group there or a pair of eyes that they're really looking for. And Yeshayahu is looking for the eyes of those people um, because he wants to make sure that they're aboard on this. If we look over to the Radak, we see uh, that he's in line with Rashi. And then he says, So here Radak, while he agrees with the idea that there's a group that's been singled out, he's disagreeing with Rashi, and he's saying that these are the Aveletzion, the people who are really um, uh, very much still tied up with the grief of Sion. And uh, the uh, Rebbe Lezer Mibalgensi adds yet another dimension. And he does not refer to them as Evletzion, but he calls them the Shefalim. And that really helps us out in terms of understanding this in a very different way. We're going to come back and, and speak to that in a moment. But I wanted to take, a, a, just before that, a moment to talk about Chefzibah. What is it that HaKadosh Baruch Hu really wants here? Now, we spent a lot of time, and I'm just going to touch on this. You can follow in the text here. We've been spending a lot of time hearing about all the things that HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't want. He doesn't want in Perik Aleph. He doesn't want Lama Lirov Sivchechem. He doesn't want empty sacrifice in Perik Nunchet. 
He's not interested in the, in the fasts that, that the people are fasting. He's not interested in the tshuva that they're doing. So what is it that the Pihus and Ritsui are here? Well, maybe it's connected with the Shnat Ratzon Lashem, um, and that's connected in some way to the Nishbare Lev in Evlet Zion. What, what we mean by this? So we said earlier that Malbim said that these were the people who were, um, uh, you know, the group that were hopeless and, uh, and they were dispirited. But if you look at the actual group, there, it, and I, you, you can count out, there are seven different members of the group of people that Yeshayahu says that he's speaking to. And it's not a homogeneous group. You know, we have people who are brokenhearted, certainly, but we also have people who are humble. We have people who have been captive, people who have been in jail. We have mourners in general, the mourners of Zion in particular, and the Nishbarei Leiv. And then, you know, based on the Psikta and referring to what we said earlier, we know that the audience is not just these seven people mentioned, it's also for all generations. So now revisit the idea of why is Yeshayahu stopping everything and who are the Shefelim uh, that the uh, Reblezer Mimbelgensi are talking about and why does it, are they the ones who need such justice? Because again we said, Everything about the Yeshua is framed in terms of Tzedaka. There's a, somebody has been wronged, and there are two kinds of justice we're going to suggest that Yeshayahu is trying to bring out. One uh, was fairly close to the, the surface, and that was that we've been done great injustices by the Amim. So we read, you know, Bo Mibatsra, that the, uh, you know, Yeshayahu sees the agent of God, you know, whose cloak is, is red from uh, taking the Nekama. But the second aspect is in the form of thievery and the form of social injustice that's been an inter- eternal problem, internal problem, right? Ki ani Hashem ohev mishpat sone gazel be'ola. HaKadosh Baruch Hu hates it when people steal from the poor, bring stuff to the Beit HaMikdash. And you see this, this, this uh, dichotomy laid out very clearly in the Reb Lezer Mibogensi when he says, Shnat Ratzon Aleichem, that's for you. Yom nakam min ha'oyev. So there are two levels of justice that uh, are being addressed. Now, this opens a window of possibility for, ask, for us to ask a very interesting question. Of the seven people that are in this group of seven types, who are the ones who are most vulnerable to the miscarriage of justice? So um, our Tanakh me- memory reminds us uh, that King Ahab stole the vineyards that belonged to Navot. We remember that the widow who took in Elisha, you know, was terrified that the king, possibly, was going to take her children away from her uh, because of a debt that had remained un- unpaid. So what if the Reblezer Mibogensi is right, uh, and he's spot on, that the Shefalim are the ones that, that Yeshayahu came back to speak to and to give, he, this is why he stopped the great parade. It's not like the Malbim said uh, that it was the people who had just completely given up. It was the people who were humble, they were shifalim, they were suffering, and they still held on, held on to their faith. 
These are the people, the most vulnerable people of simple faith. These are the ones of Nigashu Yuval. We learned this in chapter 53. Um, these are the people who are waiting for Torah justice to be done, and they're being, you know, they're being abused by the people who are in power and people who are looking for their own interests rather than Torah law. I will just touch on, but r- remind you that we see this idea of the tension between the poor and the and the, and neighbors who just uh, are unwilling to put Torah law above their own appetites. In uh, in in Perik five of, of Pirkei Avot, uh, we have the sequence of things that are going to happen. The the Avot say. Uh, because people haven't been following certain Torah law, so look at uh, look at the part highlighted in purple in Ched and Tet. Cherev Baal Olam. Remember Yeshayahu's time is a time where there's a threat of war coming from Sancheriv, Rav Shakeh, etc. And why is that? Al Inui Din. Well, uh, because the, the uh, there's been miscarriage of justice. People have been harmed by the courts rather than helped. So who are the victims of that? What we're positing here, and maybe we're being a bit bold, is these are the Shefalim that, that the uh, Rebelezer Mibolgensi is talking about. Yeshayahu is all about talking about Galut. Uh, he's, he's talking about the Galut. It's during his time that the first Galut happens in Ephraim. And what does he say in Pirkei Avot? So who are the people who are committing all these evils? Who are the murderers? It's not the Shefalim. They're the ones who are observing Shemitah and doing everything properly. And uh, the, that halacha in Pirkei Avot ends with, uh, with the, the Galut comes, Mipnei Gezel Matnot Aniim. The poor people are the ones who are suffering, and maybe the cloak of justice that we read about earlier is actually being put back on their shoulders. So HaKadosh Baruch who makes sure that the enemies who have been harming us and been acting to us unjustly from the outside are going, they're going to have their day of reckoning. And the Jewish people who have been the Shefelim, the Anavim, the people who haven't been arrogant and who have been downtrodden, they're the ones that he's stopping the giant rush to Zion because they need to be brought under the, in, in, under the fold, and particularly by making sure that they're given back the things that, that were taken away from them unjustly. And when this happens, then we get to So Sasis Bashem, Tagel Nafshi Belokai, the Chasen Kala. So there's something very big happening here. There's a, there's a marriage, right? Who's getting married? And then, you know, there are the, the, the watchmen, I hope we get to talk a little bit about the watchmen before we, we need to end. But in any case, uh, the, uh, we're now in the seventh of the Yeshiva de Nechemta, as we said in the introduction. And here, you know, we remember when, uh, you know, Yeshayahu had to call, call out, kol kore bamidbar, the people weren't listening. And then when they were finally listening, they said, here we have, it's not longer hitnari me'afar kumi, now Tzion is so sasis Bashem, we're all about it. And so there's an, a way that the Jewish people are, are, uh, are really responding 
to Yeshayahu's consolation, and we are proactive. We're the ones who are seeking This is like, you know, the who's getting up to dance for the Chassan Kala first? It's B'nai Israel. So the seven prophecies that started with indifference and with a joyful connection. Now, uh, one of the things that's odd here is that, you know, we know that there's been tremendous distance. The fact that it's taken seven nivuot and seven uh, uh, prophecies of Yeshayahu to bridge the gap that existed from uh, the time that he began in Perik Mem. Uh, but what we see in Chazal is that they understand this Kimsos Chasan al-Kala, Sos Tasis, is really quite mysterious. Um, you see in the Gemara, and this is a, a theme that we find throughout the Mepharshim, they're very careful to point out that this is not like a second marriage. Not that there's anything wrong with a second marriage, but that, you know, the, uh, as the Gemara in Sanhedrin says, Amar Rab Shmuel Bar Nachman, lakol yesh tmura chutz me'eshet ni'urim. Uh, you can substitute almost anything, but uh, there's nothing like a first love. A first love is the most incredible thing. That it's something that can never be exchanged. It can never be, uh, it can never be bartered. It's unique. A first love is simply that. And the, and, and the Gemara is telling us, uh, quoting Perak Nundalid, Veshit Nurim Kitimas, that it, 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 the, somehow, in, incredibly, HaKadosh Baruch holds on to a love of Kala Yisrael, even though uh, there's been such dif- distance and so much pain. You see this in the Yalkut Shimoni, uh, that there are ten times in Tanakh that Yisrael is called Kala, three of them are, are here in Yeshayahu. Uh, the idea is represented very strongly here. And then we read about this new bond. And this new bond has a new, new name. Um, and all of this, again, in terms of human terms, is really incomprehensible. But the, what lies at the heart of the, the, the nevuah of these prakim that we've read is that Yeshayahu, in this idea of shnat ratzon, is talking a brand new bond. This is a Brit Olam, going back to, to Nuntet, just two chapters ago. Vanizot Briti Otam, Lo Yomushmi Pizarachami Zerachad Olam, Amarashem Viatad Olam. This covenant is an eternal one. Brit Olam Echrot Lahem. So uh, we're going to go back here finally and close with a little bit about the Watchmen, because the Watchmen, in many ways, I think, have more to offer here than just a matter of curiosity. So again, using our, our Tanakh memory, uh, the idea that there are a watchman um, and that they are somehow on the walls of the city reminds us of Shir Shirim. And there we have famously, now the, the Shlomo's, what we're going to be saying here is that Shlomo HaMelech's Shomrim, the watchmen that he refers to around the palace, um, are not the same as Yeshayahu's. Why do we say this? Well, in Shir Hashirim, it's the first time the uh, the, uh, the the Raya meets the uh, meets the uh, the Watchman. Uh, you know, she speaks to them at Sauni Hashomrim. They find her. She's lost, and uh, and she's looking for her beloved. So you know, they they interact uh, in a relatively uh, innocuous way. But in in Parak Hay, in the fifth Parak, uh, she's actually beaten up by the uh, and brutalized by the Shomrim. 
Hikuni Psauni. So in light of uh, Shlomo HaMelech's depiction of the Shomrim, uh, we wonder about what the Shomrim uh, that, we, that Yeshayahu were talking about um, are, are doing here. So the Malbim says that Shehubat Smo Lo Yishtok and what we're going to find is that it's the job of these Shomrim uh, to make sure, so to speak, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, uh, will keep to his covenant and keep to his prom- promise. We see this in the Radak. We see it in, in the Mitsudat Sion, who lived in uh, 1687 to 1789 in Poland. He says, uh, this is amazing. Uh, you have to hold Hashem to his promise, so to speak. And we're going back to uh, Rebbe Lezer Mibalgensi. He says this in almost a more astonishing way. Um, uh, in the uh, next to last line there, he says, uh, that it's like the Shomrim are actually an alarm clock. Uh, their job there is to make sure that HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't lose sight um, of the, uh, of the redemp- date of redemption. And we see this in Shadal, uh, who said, He says, it's almost astonishing. We can't even imagine. What does this mean? God's watchmen are there to remind him night and day so that he doesn't forget that he's supposed to um, redeem Zion? So in the end, we find ourselves in a very ambiguous space, kind of like the place in Shlomo HaMelech's loving couple. So, uh, yes, we're on our way to Yerushalayim. The redemption is there. The Or Olam is there. Uh, the nations are all going. And then this is the moment when HaKadosh Baruch Hu stops. He wants to m- make sure that the Shefalim are all in. And then uh, we have this wedding. Um, but does the wedding mean that the redemption is there? If the redemption is there, why do we need the watchmen? Why in the world do we need the watchmen around? And why do the rabbis understand that the watchmen, okay, they're not, they're not harming us, they're not, they're not doing what they did to Batzion and to, to the, the, uh, the Raya in Shir Hashirim, but really HaKadosh Baruch Hu needs to be reminded, he needs to be pestered uh, by, the, the, uh, by, by the watchmen. So here, the Ben Kol uh, asks the obvious question, or the question that needs to be asked in the way that only the Ben Kol would ask. Undu lost mir hängen? This is where you're leaving on, on the cliff? Is there nicht a bessere Euslos von der Geschichte? Isn't there a better end to the story? So the Ben Kol is right. Ultimately, in terms of the way that we read the Perak, um, and in some ways, uh, not unlike Shira Shirim, there's an element of a standoff here. Uh, it leaves us in suspense. Um, we have all this energy of HaKadosh Baruch Hu uh, loving us, and we are so spashem, but the gula is still not here. And we know it's not here. But whereas Shira Shirim left us in suspense, Isaiah assured us that a Kodesh Baruch Hu will, will certainly come and redeem us. That's his promise. 
he, we read that he becomes impatient. We read last week that he puts on his armor um, and he, get, he looks around. It's, 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 we read it. It's almost unbelievable. God is looking around, Mishtomeim, saying, you know, what's going on? When, when's the party starting? And so he can control himself, so to speak, and he takes over and he brings the redemption. So the only remaining question is, what are we going to choose? We know from Chazal, we know from Kabbalah, um, you see it here in, in the Ramchal, uh, that there is something called Nahama Dehem Nusa. Nahama Dehem Nusa is uh, most popularly uh, a phrase used for the matzah, the, ma- the bread of hope, uh, that where we as a people uh, express our fidelity and our ongoing hope in Emuna and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, um, that's the bread where we choose to take the first step or the next step. The alternative is Nahama de Kisufa. Uh, that's, yes, the charity of yesterday's lev- leftover breads. So the Ramchal says it so beautifully, and here we'll stop. Ki hakel vadai. God is undeniably the source and his purpose, uh, his tachlis in plain English, is only to do good. And because God is all essentially good, he has only one true chefetz. He has only one true desire. And God's desire is for things to be good and for things to be better. The reason I brought this Ramchal here is because the Ramchal says God is entirely consistent. God didn't need the world. What, what did he need? Everything that came with uh, reducing his presence to this world, Kabbalistic, non-Kabbalistically, whichever way you want. Look at our world. It's a miserable place now in so many ways. In the course of history, does God really have great nachas from all of this? But at the end, it starts where it began. HaKadosh Baruch Hu created a beautiful world. Vayar Elohim Kitov. He wanted it to be good. So says the Ramchal, plainly and simply, good doesn't exist in an abstract. Good and, 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 and being given to in a good way receives, needs a receiver, receives a receptacle. So God could have done one of two things. He could have just had us passively receive all the good, or he could have made us earn it. And so the Ramchal, getting to this idea of Nahama de Heimnusa and Nahama de Hisufa, says that it's one thing if you have the dignity, the pe'er, remember pe'er, of the chasan, that you're able to show that you earned some of this. You actually rolled up your sleeves. If we're able to follow through and do what we need to do, then we don't have to be embarrassed. We won't be eating Nahama Sufa. We'll be the recipients of the rewards of Nahama Dehemnusa, the rewards of the faith, uh, our faithfulness, even through Shiflut or especially through Shiflut. That's how we earn our part or deserving of our part in the Gula. The choice is up to us. Are we going to be passive or are we going to do the next right thing to earn it in any way we can?